I'm Dan Casper, and you're listening to the Man Cave Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to talking about, well, a lot of things, mostly sports, mixed in with some other entertaining and interesting conversations, just like being in your own man cave. We'll debate, banter, laugh, maybe even cry. So make sure you're subscribing and following the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform so that you will never miss out on the conversation. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. Let's do this. What's going on, everybody? Dan Casper here. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Appreciate you dropping by and checking out another episode of the podcast. If you're a regular, shout out, big thanks. Appreciate you all. Newbie. Hopefully we can keep it coming back to to the man cave. But uh, uh, wow, what a weekend, divisional weekend of football, huh? Unless you're obviously fans of the Titans, the uh, the Bills, the Bucks, or or like a lot of you listening to this pod right now, probably the Packers. But you know, just straight up football wise, yeah, divisional round weekend made up for wild card weekend. That's for sure. Every single game going down to the final possession, to the final freaking possession, possession, excuse me. So, um, yeah, where do we even begin on this, right? Where do we even begin? Uh, we might as well just like, you know, Bengals, I thought they had a chance. I picked them to win this game. They did it. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. I think that's an underrated defense that they got over there in Cincinnati. They got it done against the Titans, a Titans team that, yeah, they were the one seed, but I don't know. They just, I, I still wouldn't have said, wouldn't have said that they were the best team in the AFC. To me, that was either the Bills or the Chiefs. And I thought that the Bengals would be a very difficult matchup for the Titans. And that was the case. The Titans, or the, the Bengals able to get it done, able to get it done. So, and of course it did help with, with the three turnovers from Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times for crying out loud. Obviously, not going to win a lot of ball games doing that, but it does help when the opposing team is going to turn the ball over three times or throw three interceptions there. So Bengals moving on. They're going to be going up against the Chiefs, in which uh, maybe one of the best games of all time, the Chiefs and the Bills Sunday night. I mean, the back and the fourth at the end and then overtime there. I don't need to revisit it all with you guys. But, I mean, you know, I get the out, the overtime conversation is being popped up again. I'm, I'm in favor of, of changing the overtime rule when it comes to the NFL. I wouldn't mind having both teams get a possession, regardless if it's a field goal or a touchdown, unless it was like a pick six or something like that, then, you know, you're going to throw a pick six in overtime. You shouldn't get another possession and that sort of stuff. But, you know, for example, Chiefs gets the touchdown. Bills get a chance to tie it. And if they do, then it goes sudden death after that. You know, I know everybody's saying, well, play defense and all that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, that that that's the easy answer. That's the cop-out answer. But I don't know. Like, I, I still would have rather have seen uh, – I'd still rather see overtime change because, I mean, we could have had more added to this. We could have had more added to the NFL films footage that's going to be playing for how many years between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. 
I I know it's just, it's probably selfish as a football fan, but hey, come on. We want more. uh, That was a great game, and I don't think anybody really wanted it to end. So keep her going. Adjust the OT rules. Come on. We want this. We want this. But think about it. In the AFC, that AFC conference is just full of freaking young, talented quarterbacks. I mean, shit. Burrow. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson's a couple years removed for, from an MVP. Who knows if Derek Carr is going to be in, in, in the AFC, but he's a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. Who knows what Tua is going to, you know, turn out to be. Uh, who knows what where Deshaun Watson's going to go, but he's currently with the AFC, I guess. So, you know, it's, man, that AFC has got some young stud quarterbacks. I... I know I'm partial. Like, I grew up in the 90s. I think the 90s have maybe the best group of of quarterbacks of all time in, like, one setting. I mean, you had Marino, you had Favre, you had Elway, Young, Aikman, Montana. You know, you had those dudes, and I get Montana was on the back end, but still. And, man, Jim Kelly. Forgot about Jim Kelly in there. Another, another Hall of Famer. So. But this this is a special group of young quarterbacks, and if you're one of those AFC teams, you got to be feeling pretty good about your future right now. You got to be feeling pretty darn good about your future because it's exciting. It's and you, the other one too. I, I just forgot. You know, we you hope that he's going to develop into the the quarterback that I think everybody is expecting and hoping he was going to be Trevor Lawrence. You know, with Jacksonville. So we'll we'll see what Jacksonville can do for him, but I mean, if he reaches those those points that you know we were kind of hoping for when he was with Clemson, shit, AFC is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be freaking fun to watch. Uh, then you had the the Bucks. They're out. No Super Bowl for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this year. Out at the hands of the Rams. Now. All the attention is kind of focused on will Brady come back? Will he not come back? Um, and I'll admit, you know, reading some of his comments or hearing some of his comments, it it kind of sounds like a dude who is seriously contemplating considering retirement. I mean, it, I I know it's kind of a recency thing, but off the top of my head, I can't remember another instance where Brady was kind of a little hee-haw-ish. Like where I don't remember another instance where he was thinking about it, you know, like the uh, when he left New England, I mean, that was more like he was going to be a free agent sort of thing. So was he going to retire or sign somewhere else? Right. This one, I mean, we know he he's going to be in Tampa Bay, but, you know, now he's actually thinking about his future, like whether he's going to continue to play or not. So it's the end is near if it's not already here. I mean, now that it's out there, the end is near for for one Tom Brady. And the end is near for the Green Bay Packers as I don't know what that was that we saw Saturday. I mean, they go down and they drive, opening opening drive on offense, score the tud. Defense comes out hot. Zadarius Smith gets a sack right away. Packers look like they're going to go up 14-0. Fumbled by, by Mercedes Lewis and then... Yeah, special teams, and then the offense just went nowhere. 
an incredibly disappointing. I mean, for for Packers fans, which I am, this is one of the most disappointing, disheartening, down, you know, down and personally, like you're just like upset and and sad after a loss. This is right up there towards the top. Easily, you know, top in the last couple of years. All the expectations, all these young, all these dudes coming back for, from injury. And they couldn't put up more than 10 points. Shout out to the defense. I mean, defense played incredibly well. Incredibly well. But after that, ugh, what the hell? And now, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so is he going to retire? Is he going to come back to Green Bay? Is he going to go to a different team and be traded? I have no idea. If if you were to ask me my opinion, I had to pick one of those three. I think he's back in Green Bay. But that is not very confident. Not confident at all. Okay? I, I, I really don't have a good gauge on this. I don't have a good feeling on this. Like, like I just... I. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I'll probably change my opinion in like a day or so. But at this current time of this current recording of this podcast, that's kind of where my mind is at right now. Uh, where what I think Aaron will do. But now there's this narrative. Okay, there's this narrative that Aaron's not a good playoff quarterback ever since the Super Bowl. Uh, what seven and nine? So he's so he's uh, twelve and ten overall. Yeah, 12 and 10 overall. That's wild card. Is that is that number correct? So if he's 7 and 9 since the Super Bowl, 12 and 10 overall, he lost that one in in 09. That would be 8 9 10 11. No, I think it's 11 and 10. Regardless, 11 and 10, 12 and 10 somewhere around there. No, no, 12 and 10. Yeah, be 12 and 10. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Look it up. Uh, Pro Football Reference the other day had uh, 12 and 10. So, yeah, that's right, I think. Anyways, this this notion, this this narrative that he isn't a bad playoff quarterback now, I think it's a lazy take if you're just going to look at the starts, the, the, the wins and losses. If you're just going to look at the records and say, well, that's why he's a bad playoff quarterback, like Lawrence Tyne saying he'd take Eli Manning over over Rodgers in the postseason. I think it's a very lazy take, and I'm not necessarily defending Aaron here. Aaron played a bad game, right? Aaron played a bad game. Not defending the fact that, you know, I'm not going to sit out there and say that he played a great game and it wasn't his fault that the Packers lost and whatever have you. Aaron played a bad game. We, you can say that but still say he's a good quarterback. And you can, even though he had a bad game, doesn't mean that overall, overall you can say he was a bad playoff quarterback. That's just, that's just not the case. And if you're just going to look at the starts and the, and, and the wins and losses, it's lazy. It, it, it's incredibly lazy. I mean, then we can also say that Peyton Manning, who is 13 and 12 with a postseason record, He's a bad postseason quarterback. I mean, he's gone to four Super Bowls and he won two of them. And I know one of them wasn't all because of him, that, that final Super Bowl win. But hey, if you're just going to look at the records, Peyton Manning, it's just one game above average, one game above 500 in the postseason. So does that make him 
a worse playoff quarterback than, than Aaron Rodgers? No, it doesn't. This kind of goes into to my feeling that, and I go back and forth on this, but I mostly believe that quarterback wins are not a stat. If 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 the NFL, and I know and longtime listeners probably, you know, have heard this before, but you know, the NFL is if you're gonna fo- say that football is the ultimate team game, why are we crediting one position for the wins? I totally get that the quarterback is the most important position in all of sports. You don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to go very far. Totally get that. Totally agree with it. Totally understand it. But there's how many instances where we've seen great quarterback play, yet the quarterback still loses because maybe shitty defense or, or you know, other reasons, coaching. You don't factor that into a lot of these decisions. People don't. They just look at what's easy for them. They look at easy numbers. They don't look at film. They don't dig a little bit deeper. They don't look at the other circumstances or what was going on during a game and other scenarios. I mean, for goodness gracious, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? So this narrative that he's a bad postseason quarterback, he's not like, and no offense, but he's not Marty Schottenheimer in the playoffs. You know, Marty Schottenheimer, the longtime NFL coach, great regular season coach, just could not get over the hurdle in the postseason. And I'm not trying to knock on Marty, but come on now, let's let's be a little bit better with with our you know analysis here. Dig a little bit deeper. Has he had his issues? Has he had his hiccups in the postseason? Absolutely, a lot of players have. He hasn't been perfect by any means. He played a shitty game the other night. But to go out there and say he's overall a bad postseason quarterback, not buying it. I'm not buying it. So, But obviously with after that Packers loss, there was a lot of, shall we say, grieving from, from Packers Nation, including yours truly. And I was thinking about it. You know, you got like the, what are the, the stages of grieving? Well, I've got my seven stages of sports grieving, whereas your team, you know, loses a heartbreaking game or done for the season or anything like that. So I'm going to share you share with you those seven steps, seven stages of grieving. All right. Quick break. We'll be back. And I'm going to help you out for next time for the seven stages of grieving. All right, Packers fans, so or Buffalo Bills fans, or or maybe you're just a fan and your favorite uh, favorite team's done for the season, or they're they're suffering a heartbreak loss. We we go through stages of grief, right? Uh, especially if maybe if it's a little bit of a shocking loss, or or just kind of coming out of nowhere, something you weren't expected. We all go through it. We all have our different ways to maybe maybe grieve and and come to acceptance when your favorite team is uh, no longer playing for the year, and now you got to head into an off-season, a long off-season, and you just got to sit there and, and twiddle your thumbs and then, you know, deal with some drama, how the team's going to look. You're going to be following drafts and free agency and trades and all that other crap that's going on right now. But, you you, you know, you're just like, we want to get to the next season. 
see if we can get that championship. How are we going to rebound and all that? But you got to go through the seven stages of grieving. The seven stages of grieving sports-wise, according to me. So the first one, the first stage, put yourself, I, I know you probably don't want to revisit us, but put yourself maybe back to that Packers game or whatever game that you're a fan of, that last heartbreaking one. Your first reaction, anger, cussing. Your first stage, anger, cussing, right? Something's, you know, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is probably like that, like the F word or or whatever. And you're just mad and you're just kind of sitting there and you can feel like your face turning warm and you're just pent up with this energy. And then how do you let some of that energy out? That's stage two of the sports grieving process. And that's throwing something. Whether it's your hat, whether it's cheese, whether I've done that before, cottage cheese, uh, like a ball. Like I'll tell you right now on Saturday night, I had uh, my kids thinking putty, okay? It's like a stress reliever. And I was holding on to that thing the whole game. And I was playing around with it in my hand. And as soon as I got to that point where it looked like, you know, San Francisco was going to win it, chuck that thing across the room let out that energy then stage three cone of silence cone of silence don't talk to me nobody else talks to you you don't talk yourself cone of silence you just sit there and it kind of take it all in you've let that energy out you've let that energy out now it's cone of silence Stage four, beverage. Could be a beer. Could be a little whiskey. As I like to say, victory scotches, bourbon losses, or just something. But you just need something to, you know, maybe take the edge off a little bit. The beverage. Then once you have that beverage and you're kind of a little bit of a little loose, taking that edge off. Stage five, contemplation. Thinking about it. The why, the how, the what, the where, the when. Contemplating how that happened, why that happened, what what to do now. And then once you've kind of gone through that stage six, sadness, disbelief starts to kick in. The anger's gone. The frustration is gone. You've contemplated it. And now it just kind of starts to sink in that it actually happened. It actually happened. Your team lost and you weren't expecting it. It was a heartbreaking loss. That sadness, that disbelief starts to pour in. And you're a little bit down. You're a little bit mopey. It's okay. It's your way of grieving. It's your way of going through the process. And after you've completed stage six and you've got that sadness out and that disbelief has you, you've come to acceptance there. Stage, uh, stage seven acceptance on to next year. Once you've gotten that disbelief and sadness out, you're in the final stage to acceptance and you're ready for next year. You're thinking about next year. You're thinking about ways to get better for your team 
to get better. How can we do that? Looking at free agents, looking at the draft, looking at trades, that sort of thing. You're on to the next season. So those are my seven stages. Those are the seven stages. I actually kept track of this, okay? I kept track of this on Saturday into Sunday and a little bit into Monday because it took a little bit to get over this thing, all right? Stage one, anger and cussing. Stage two, throw something. Stage, just don't hit anybody with it, okay? I made that mistake one time with cottage cheese. Number three, cone of silence. Number four, beverage. Number five, contemplation. Number six, sadness, disbelief. Number seven, acceptance and on to next year. The seven stages of sports grieving. This will help you get through it. This will help you get through your sports grieving. Guarantee it. All right? I guarantee it, peeps. Okay, so what's up next now on the pod? All right, we, we recapped the football. You know, I, I know I re- realized I didn't make any picks. I'll make picks right now. I think it's going to be Rams and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Me, there, easy, said, and done. Rams and Chiefs are my picks for, for this weekend. But coming up next, I want to do a, uh, a little Q&A. We've got a couple of Q&As, and then I'm going to wrap up the podcast talking a little bit about this uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. I've got, I, you know, I'm a big history guy. I love sports history that sort of stuff, but I do have problems with Hall of Fame voting processes. Usually bring it up a lot when it comes to uh, when it comes to football. And uh, well, we'll know who's going to be making the Pro Football Hall of Fame here in the uh, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So might have to vent about that again. But uh, I do want to touch on the Baseball Hall of Fame. But quick break. We're going to do a little Q&A after that and then dive into this uh, to this Baseball Hall of Fame thing going on. All right, we'll be back after this. All right, let's hit up some Q&As and uh, got a couple of them here. I'm just going to do a couple this time, but hey, big thanks to everybody uh, who sent over some some Q, uh, some questions. I love getting questions um, and just random ones too. So keep that coming. Make sure uh, you can do that anytime. I don't don't necessarily have to wait for the uh, don't have to necessarily wait for the post on Facebook or Twitter, but uh, hey, make sure you're following me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Casper Sports, Casper with a K, and Twitter at Dan Casper, D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R. James asking, Packers football is done. What will you do on Sundays until baseball starts, if it starts? Uh, well, James, I'll tell you right now, my Sundays are going to be a little bit less stressful. Um... I'll be honest with you, like I've I've wanted to read more. I do read off and on. Um, but maybe do that. But the other thing too, I mean, you still got hoops and you still got basketball going on. I am working on if you listen to some of the other uh uh podcasts out there, I, I've I'm working on a, some special podcast episodes that if you like your sports history, that's what I'm working on. I've I've worked on one for a couple of years took a break with it, but I've accumulated some interviews uh, about Curly Lambeau from, from a bunch of people, including his last, uh, his last girlfriend. And he happened to die in her front yard, if you know the history there. Uh, but I want to do like, like, I love documentaries. I love documentaries. And 
I've always wanted to like do a documentary and I know I'll never do like a TV documentary. So I figured, well, the closest I might ever get is like a podcast documentary. So that's kind of what I'm doing, but I want to do like subjects that maybe a lot of people don't do it on Lambo being one. Uh, I've got a couple other ones. And it's not just people. It could be, you know, like uh, places or stories or something like that. So that's what I really want to do when the football season is over with is really focus on, on those type of uh, uh, podcasts, part of the man cave podcast here. So, uh, but that's, that's what I would, I'm hoping to do uh, a little bit more once football season is in the books and before spring and summer get here, because once spring and summer get here, well, you're outside, you're doing some fishing and all that good stuff. So uh, Dave, we've got a couple questions from Dave here. Packers recent heartbreak aside, opening day is a couple of months away. What are your expectations for the Brewers, assuming there is a season? How disappointed would you be if the season doesn't start on time? I think the season's going to start on time. From uh, from all the uh, all the reports out there that you know labor negotiations, they're uh, they're talking at least. They're they're exchanging proposals. You know they're going through that whole process. I think it will start on time. Um, as far as my expectations for the Brewers, it's tough because I feel like with this lockout, they are not able to do some of the stuff that they still need to do player wise, player acquisition wise, that they still have some holes that they got to fill. They still need to go out there and do that. They've got their pitching, you know, I'd still like them to see, uh, like to see them add a couple corner infielders, a little bit more pop, especially, you know, first or third base there. But really, this season is going to come down to, offensively, what can Christian Yelich do in this lineup? So maybe the question at hand is, what are your expectations for Christian Yelich? And maybe I'm being over-optimistic here, but I think he has a bounce-back year this year. I think he obviously heard the talk last year and a little bit in the COVID-shortened season. The Brewers need Christian Yelich to go out there and not necessarily be the MVP Christian Yelich, but like what he was doing with, with the Marlins, right? Like putting up numbers like he was with, with the Marlins. I think we, we'd all be happy with that. So I think, I'm, you know, I'm looking at Cubs ain't going to do a whole lot. I don't think this year. Pirates, no. I don't think the Reds, the Cardinals will be there. I still say first or second place within the division. I still think this is a a playoff caliber team for the Brewers. They've got the pitching for sure with Woodruff, Cy Young winner, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta there too. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what Aaron Ashby is going to do. And the Brewers got to take advantage of this pitching. That That's the thing. They have got to take advantage of this pitching that they have on their roster right now at the cheap. I mean, they're getting by cheap with these guys. These guys probably could be making like... 250 250 million dollars on their next contract 300 or whatever i mean teams pay big money for pitchers for crying out loud so the brewers are getting by cheap on these guys take advantage of it as i'm banging the table right now take advantage of it you've got to but with this pitching i think that can lead them back to the postseason so i'm optimistic in that Maybe maybe over-optimistic, but I am optimistic in that because it is led by their pitching. But Christian Yelich has to play better and has to get that offense going. The offense will start kicking in the gear 
and be a little bit more consistent if Christian Yelich can get going. Uh, next question. Also, to keep it football, outside of Rodgers and Adams, who are the two or three free agents you feel are the most important to try and sign and why? Um, I'm assuming you mean, since you said outside of Rodgers and Adams, current, like Packer free agents. I'm assuming that's uh, that's what you're referring to. I am going to say Devondre Campbell's number one, the the inside linebacker. Now, these guys are going to be more, it's going to cost money to sign them, so I don't know if they're going to be able to afford all of them. But just in terms of importance, Devondre Campbell is number one for me. Clear-cut number one. Number two, I would go Rasul Douglas. Now, you could say, well, they'll have Eric Stokes and, and, uh, and Jair Alexander. That's fine. There's nothing saying that you can't have three good corners. In fact, I'd rather have three, four good corners on a team, given the current state of how the NFL is played right now. A lot of teams uh, employing, you know, top three receivers, three good receivers on these squads and with injuries. So Rasul Douglas, I'd like to keep him around and, and get that trio of Jair and Eric Stokes and, and Rasul Douglas. And then my third one uh, probably be Bobby Tunyon. I, maybe his number will be down. I don't know if he'll be ready to go uh, once the season starts with that torn ACL. Everybody's different as we've seen with David Bakhtiari this year, but uh, probably Bobby Tunyon. You know, just they've they've really got to find that long-term fixture at, at tight end. And, you know, I know this year he wasn't putting up the numbers like he was the year prior, but I think they still got something with Bobby Tunyon. I mean, the, the numbers on him when it comes to, like, catches and drops is just fantastic. They're out of this freaking world. So, I would like to see them keep Bobby Tunyon and bring him back. And maybe it's on a one-year prove-it deal sort of thing. But that's those are my those are my top three if we're talking just like current Packers that are scheduled to be free agents, that sort of stuff. I know we can go like restricted free agency and then you add in Alan Lazard to, to that list as well. So hopefully those answered those Q&As again. Love some questions. Send those babies on over, all right? Send those babies on over. So Baseball Hall of Fame, to wrap up this podcast, this episode of the podcast, only one dude's going in, David Ortiz. David Ortiz barely getting in. Clemens, Bonds, Kurt Schilling, those guys, they're off the ballot now. Now they're going to go to the Today's Game Committee that's going to meet in December. I've I've got issues... I've had issues with the Hall of Fame, not just baseball, but Pro Football Hall of Fame. I've had some issues with Basketball Hall of Fame. You could say I've had some damn issues with with all the Hall of Fames, uh, and it's not, and it's because of the voting process. I've always had a mindset of like I hate the designations of first ballots or or you know voted in for the first time, first year of eligibility. However the however the hell that they phrase it, okay. I mean, fuck, if a, if, if a, if a player, if, if, if a coach or somebody's Hall of Fame worthy, just put them in the damn Hall of Fame. Put them in the damn Hall of Fame, right? I mean, this notion that we have got to, um, you know, use this, well, I don't think that they're a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I don't think that they're going to be a, they shouldn't be a first year eligible Hall of Famer. Who the fuck cares? If there's if somebody's a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer. Why why belittle it? 
why belittle it a little bit by saying, oh, they weren't a first ballot? I don't give a shit. So that's one of my issues with this thing. And the other thing is that I, I, it, it's become so, I don't know if politicized is, is the right word in this whole thing, but I mean, we saw it with T.O. In, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That guy should have been voted in right away. It took his third try, and we all know why. is because the voters didn't like him. They didn't like his personality. He wasn't nice to him. And baseball, you see that all the time, too. You see that all the time with these with these votes. But when it comes to Bonds and, and Clemens and, and Schilling's, Schilling's in that T.O. boat, but when it comes to like Bonds and Clemens and, and what's going to be Alex Rodriguez coming up here, and I, you know, there's just some people that will not vote for them because they are not in favor of the PEDs. You know, David Ortiz earlier in the season, you know, early in his career, I should say, with the PED uh, attachment there. But you didn't hear about that after that. You know, with Boston, you you think about his his postseason clutch hits and 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 just how nice of a guy he seems on TV and with the media and all that sort of stuff. I think that did help him there a little bit. But back to, you know, with, with Bonds and, and Clemens, I don't know if they're going to get in right away with the today's game committee. I don't. I mean, there seems to be a loud, a loud group of baseball writers and analysts and insiders who, you know, took to Twitter and Facebook to voice their displeasure that that they weren't in, I would put Bonds in there. I would put Clemens in there. I would put Alex Rodriguez in there. I know that, you know, they, they were caught cheating and they were, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But can you tell the story? Everybody likes to use that phrase. Can you tell the story of, or can you tell the history of this sport without this player? When it comes to Bonds and Clemens, or when it comes to Bonds for sure, no, you can't. When it comes to A-Rod, no, you can't. But on the flip side, to play devil's advocate, what story are you telling about those guys? Are you going to be telling the, the 73 home runs? Are you going to be telling about the, the home run leader of all time? Or is it going to be about the PEDs? Same with A-Rod. You're going to be telling about you know his home run numbers at 696? Or, you know, this young prodigy coming in at 19 and in a three MVP awards, or is it going to be about the PEDs? What story? What's, what's their story in baseball? So there's two sides to that story. So I get why people use that, but there's two sides to those stories, that story too. Ultimately, I believe that if I had a vote, I'd vote for them in the Hall of Fame. I would. It's just just my opinion. I think Pete Rose should should be in the Hall of Fame too. Now he's actually banned, which I know he's not even on the ballot, but I think he should should be in there too. I I, I fully believe that. That's just my thoughts. But the one thing that I just I love sports history. It, it's one of my passions. But I feel like when it comes to Hall of Fames, it's become so politicized, and I just have the the thought of I think I think we've made it too complicating in a lot of a lot of instances. And I get you know, like in in football, they don't necessarily want to 
put a bunch of people in right away. They don't want 15 guys, 20 guys going in every year. And I get it. I understand it. They got a max. But I just hate labeling people, whether they are a first ballot or or they got in on their first year of eligibility. If we know somebody's a Hall of Famer, just put them in. Put them in. And it's just become so politicized and should be celebrating Hall of Fames and players getting inducted, but they get overshadowed a lot by who doesn't make it and for whatever reasons. And I'm not necessarily in favor of like, you know, putting something on their plaques or or, or making separate wings saying, well, they had this attached to them and they were caught doing this. Hall of Fames and, and all that are supposed to be you know, when it comes to players, you'd think it would be on a popular note, or uh, not a popular note, but on a positive note. You're celebrating that player. You're celebrating that career. So I don't know if I necessarily like the the fact of putting something on their plaque saying uh, suspended cheating for, you know, using banned substances or whatever or creating separate wings. I don't know if the player would want that. I don't know if the player would be like, nah, no thanks, I'm not going to get inducted or I'm not going to show up or anything like that, if that's going to be on there. I get it. It's, it's part of the history. You can have it as part of the history, but on on the plaque, nah. I don't, I'm I'm good with that. I'm not good with you know. Don't have to put that on there. So, but get ready, baseball Hall of Fame. Hey, it's drawing attention to it, right? All good. All attention is good attention, or however that phrase goes. But yeah, it is what it is. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of the podcast. But hey, cool thing. So my kid Hudson. Hudson and I, we're going to go to a card show, a sports card show this weekend. Dude, little dude is getting into card collecting. He's going to be five this summer. So with with the uh, explosion of the card market, right? I mean, hell, if you find a pack in a department store, you better nab that thing up. But, you know, it's so different. It's so different than when I was a kid. And if anybody's listening to this podcast right now, If you used to collect cards as a kid and you've gotten back into the game, send me a message of of how it's different from when you were a kid. Is it taking you a little bit, like, adjusting? Like, you know, back in the day, we had the old... I I bought a couple price cards, by the way. So I'm at the bookstore, and I'm like, oh, shit, they still make them. So I grabbed a couple of them. Uh, It's not tough stuff where you got all the sports in one. It was basketball and a football one that's what I got mostly my cards in, but um, I'm curious to know if anybody who used to collect cards as a kid is now getting back into the game, how different it is compared to when they were kids. I know it's different, but is it taking you a little bit of like an adjustment period to kind of get used to how it's different these days? You know what I mean? So I want to hear from you. Hit me up with a message. Shoot me a message on Facebook or Twitter, okay? Maybe I'll get you on this podcast too, but we're I'm pumped to get I haven't been to a card show in years. Hopefully we'll be able to find some stuff and get some packs and rip some packs and all that sort of stuff, right? I mean, I can't even imagine myself in the 90s having those ripping things and, you know, buying a spot or buying a team and getting those cards. Holy moly. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Hey, again, big thanks for, for checking it out. Don't forget, leave us a review, follow us, subscribe for free, all that good stuff. Appreciate it, everybody. Until next time, we'll chat with you again on the next episode of the Band Cave Podcast.
thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the podcast, well, hopefully you liked it, so you'll be back. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon. We're practically everywhere. And if you're listening to somewhere like on iTunes, don't forget to give us a good rating so other people can find the podcast as well and and tell your friends and family about us and if you are a regular listener to the man cave podcast hey appreciate the support everyone appreciate the support again don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast rate us and tell your friends about the man cave podcast